Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. Uh Uh-oh, surprise! Oh, now what? Don't panic. Nope. But do think before you act. These might be the thoughts and the words that you have before there is a situation in front of you. This happens every day to people somewhere Somebody around has a surprise. It's an emergency that they have to deal with. Who even knows what it might be? But we can think logically and figure out what is most likely to to come into our area of um, concerns. It just might be that something happens. And then, with a, a little thought and a little planning, we can take steps to keep the pain away from us and the people who we love. I think that there are two categories of problems. First, there's the regular and the minor problems, which we can easily solve. And it's kind of like having um, an extra cell phone cord or charger or something like uh, to air up a tire. See, these are, are small problems that we can handle. And how about if there's a minor medical um, burn or a cut or something? Yeah, these are all minor. Or something to eat or drink in case you have a breakdown in your car. Or a warm coat in your car to uh, carry with you. See, these are all in that category. But the other category of a serious event, now that takes more thought. There could be a big potential problem Something major like a flood or a fire or an earthquake. And this might keep you from getting home. Or it might keep you from leaving home. These are the kind of events that can last weeks even. Hey, do you remember the Oroville Dam? Or do you remember various forest fires? And then there have been big earthquakes around the state too. And you just have to ask yourselves... What do you want to do? Stay at home if there isn't such an event? Or do you want to go out and find a hotel room someplace? Maybe stay with family or friends? These questions don't seem to have any very easy answers. But I hope you can give it some thought because with ideas and with plannings, we can get through the difficulties a whole lot easier and, and so think about the concerns that you would have if an emergency comes up. Look and see what you think what you should do to prepare for such a situation. And remember the basic concerns that everyone has. Uh, think of um, having some, some uh, water and some food and some warmth with you just wherever you go. Flashlights are pretty good too. And a little radio and paper towels All those things are handy. Keep a little food and water in your car. And that's a challenge in the hot weather because mm, the cars, they get a little too hot, and then you have to rotate your food. But the point is, is you do something and do some some care for an emergency that just might come up. Uh, You don't want to be hungry and thirsty. It's just better that way. Yep, it sure is. Well, start your preparations now before there is an urgent need, and what you want is hard to find. This is episode 42, and as for today, give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior called to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation. Where truth trumps political correctness. Where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world listening to Red Sky Radio today where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Another packed day. Uh, we're going to cover uh, dominantly two topics today. I'm going to cover some things about the uh, LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ agenda and some things that are going on there. And then, as I promised last week, the second half of the program, we are going to shift to a biblical teaching, a basis for building the wall on the southern border. You might want to just plan ahead and get out your Bible, go to the book of Nehemiah, have it sitting next to you. You're not going to believe what you hear. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm a lover of all of Scripture, but the Old Testament in particular has uh, lessons or paradigms, if you will, that are there that teach us things that uh, give us instruction as to how we should conduct our affairs uh, in a whole bunch of areas, just frankly not covered by the New Testament. But let's get rolling. Now, I just, I've got one piece of good news today. We're going to try to end with good news. In between, you got to hang on. But this first, well, my only piece of good news, I was struggling this week, is an unusual story in one sense, which you will find out. But it comes out of England. I don't spend much time on England. England is sort of going down a rat hole. I don't pray for them like I should. Uh, but they seem to just be given over to all forms of political correctness. Interesting, you know, that's our heritage, and I really don't have a desire to go there. I don't, I don't know why. You know, I'm predominantly Dutch. I don't have a desire to go to the Netherlands. Um, I, no, I, I really don't. No, for, for no particular reason. But the good news is that there's a, there's a school in England where parents showed up to protest the sexualization of their children, mainly the whole lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender thing. Now, this particular school called the Birmingham Parkfield Community School, um, there are some things that are being taught there that are very anti-Bible, very uh, contradictory to that which God speaks in his word about how you would conduct yourself sexually, what's normal and what isn't normal. Now, the whole, the guy running this thing and a program that they have at this school run by a guy uh, who himself is homosexual. I mean, the guy apparently is pretty light in the loafers from what I can tell here. Uh, runs this program called No Outsiders. That's what it's called. And the parents showed up to protest this program, and not just to protest it, but to demand that it be um, abolished, 100% gone. Now, here's the surprise. The surprise is, or maybe it's not a surprise, 
that the people who were offended by this program, the ones who showed up in mass to protest the homosexualization of their children, were Muslims. I got to tip my hat off to the Muslims in this matter. I really do. I mean, there are there are those things. I realize they're rooted in aspects of what we would call the Old Testament, and the Old Testament didn't die with with the beginning of the New Testament. It just was written before. Yeah, there's some things that are that no longer apply. The cert, certain rituals and the ordinances it says in Scripture that are nailed to the cross don't apply. But but probably ninety percent of it does apply. And and if you read it enough, you'll know pretty automatically what is for us today and what was replaced by the blood of Jesus. Well, now, the Muslims follow a lot of that. There's a lot of similarity with respect to Old Testament teachings in these areas of, of um, let's just call it uh, civil, uh, civil matters, but they're really religious matters. And this is one of them. Homosexuality, the practice of it is an abomination to a good Muslim. It should be an abomination to them. It should be an abomination to good Jews. It should be an abomination to good Christians. If we all uh, understand certain aspects of Scripture, which really don't admit of any compromise, there actually should be agreement among those three faiths who stick closely to their faith. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. They all condemn that behavior. Now, the man standing outside here protesting with a bullhorn, he said, he's yelling into the, or the megaphone. He said, we need to make one thing clear. This program is not just about telling people and other families and other types of, of that lifestyles exist. It's actually aggressively promoting them, giving it a positive spin, and telling people that it's okay for you to be Muslim and for you to be gay. Now, and end quote. To which the crowd, the Islamic crowd, the Muslim crowd, all started shouting and chanting, shame, shame, shame. And the man targeted here is the assistant head, Ad Andrew Moffat, who I said is light in, his lo- light in the loafers as it is, but they, uh, they're after him because he's aggressively indoctrinated, indoctrinating the children with LGBT messages against a parent's wishes. So this man with the bullhorn goes on to say, Mr. Moffat, I do not want to make this personal, but Mr. Moffat, you have decided upon your own self to reinterpret our religious scriptures. I don't know where uh, he gets his religious education from, but our religious beliefs are not here to be changed. We do not send our children to school to be indoctrinated. This is an aggressive indoctrination that is going on. Well, I find it intriguing here that... Throughout much of the world, there is this complete capitulation and compromise to the queer agenda. In many places, there's a complete capitulation to Islam. You can't completely capitulate to those two without them running into each other full steam. And I will tell you, the homosexuals will lose in that context. Maybe their head, or like they showed them the one video from, I don't know where it was in the Middle East, throwing those guys off some 10-story building. But the fact of the matter is, this, I, I, I have to applaud the Muslims for standing up. I mean, I, don't, I do not support Islam taking over Christianity in this country under any way, shape, or form. But I also have to say some of the things that Islam has said or come out of Muslims about this country and other countries like uh, Great Britain, or calling us the great Satan because we push queer stuff, we push abortion, we push a bunch of things that they know are wrong. And we got Christians who don't have the guts, who don't have the cojones to stand up. The fact of the matter is this Islamic crowd in Birmingham, uh, England, is actually as, is actually should be a cause of shame to Christians here in America who don't stand up, who don't have the guts to stand up. And guess what? Because they did stand up, that school in England is temporarily suspending the program. 
And they're saying, hey, don't you bring this thing back. We'll be right back in your face. And don't you start to slip it in a little bit here, 10% there, 20% there. No, you abolish it 100%. Why don't we have those guts? Why don't we take it to the to the to the homosexuals that are driving many of the programs in the United States or, the, or their, their fellow travelers in that uh, perspective and view? Why don't we? Why don't we do that? What a shame. Well, okay, end of the good news. Let's move on. We got to, we got a lot to cover here today, and I, I spent far more time on that than I should have so far. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to really spend too much time at all, other than just a quick comment on this cheating scandal that is rocking uh, academia and um, uh, and so forth. Uh, the, we're really wealthy people are buying one way or the other cheating the system to get their kids who are underperforming and can't perform giving them a false sense of accomplishment which will ultimately be devastating this Lori Laughlin her kids when they find out that they really aren't that smart and mom had to pay a half a million dollars to get them into the college when they realize you know what we are really numbskulls but we always, but we we were made to believe that we're smart. How devastating will that be on the kids? Well, here's my one point I want to make on this. I am sure that some of the culprits, the people involved in this, are Republicans. However, I've not heard of one yet. I'm not suggesting that they are all Democrats. So far. So far, the political leanings of the ones whose political leanings are identifiable in the college cheating deal, they're all Democrats. Now, what have I said before? That if you are fine with killing children in the womb, if you're fine with all sorts of queer and abominable sex like the Democrats are, if you're fine stripping people with their gun rights like the Democrats are wanting to do in Pennsylvania right now, and the Democrats want a national gun registry for the whole United States, if you're into all sorts of anti-God, unbiblical behavior there, what is voter fraud? That's been my example in the past. It's a parking ticket. So what is cheating on the SAT exams to a Democrat? Apparently nothing. It's like a parking ticket. Stood up against the greater evils that uh, possess that mindset and that political party more so every day renders this not only not surprising, it renders it very predictable. Now, as I said, there well may be people who voted for Trump that are in this. And, and if, in fact, one person voted for Trump, that's the only person the media will call out. They won't identify these other as Democrats. Okay, moving on. Pitzer College, Claremont, California, P-I-T-Z-E-R. We are still awaiting, and maybe it's come in here uh, just before we went on the air here. I don't know about defunding the study abroad program in Israel. Now, the faculty at Pitzer, actually, I guess it should be Putzer uh, College. I wouldn't send my kid there or grandchildren. Why? Screw them up at an excessive, get them all screwed up for an excessive uh, tuition? Well, that's a real deal. Pay more and get less? So they want to abolish the Israeli study abroad program. And who's part of leading that charge? The Muslim congresswoman Talaib from Detroit. Look, if, if this has got to be stopped. And if, and if this school does this, and the faculty already has voted to do it, the Jew-hating that's in the Democrat Party is just simply unbelievable. And it's being increasingly unmasked as those that are in the media don't dare to call it out, even though there are a lot of Jews in the media. This will spread. Oh, we're not going to send people to Israel. We'll send them to some some fair country like uh, Venezuela. Hey, that's the idea. So I want to pose a question before we move on. The left routinely calls the right 
Nazis. Okay? They say, uh, well, you're all Hitlers. Even though, as I mentioned last week, David Duke, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, who is considered radically right-wing, is supporting the Muslim women in Congress for, for dissing and ditching Israel. He's a Jew hater, but he was never a Republican. He's just a Jew hater. And he supports all the Democrats who are increasingly open about being Jew haters. Don't use the word anti-Semitic. You're, you're, you're softening the term they're a Jew hater. So let me understand this. If the left is calling the right Nazis, calling them Hitler, and Hitler was demonized dominantly for killing Jews, but today all the Jew haters are actually in the Democrat Party, ergo are not Democrats the real Nazis. I mean, I, I realize we've got, we got uh, thought processes going in different directions here. But if the left calls the right Nazis, and, and anybody who's on the right, Hitlers, of course, they're losers. These are leftist lemmings coming out of these loser liberal leftist colleges and getting ripped off, go $100,000 in debt for college debt, and end up with a stupid degree, a screwed-up mind. And frankly, an anti-American, anti-biblical, you come out of it bibliophobic, Christophobic, leftist, how is Hitler and the Nazis only on the right when their defining characteristic was hating Jews and all the Jew haters are now on the left or now are on the left? So the Democrats are apparently the Nazis. You see, there's a fallacy that's that's imposed in the, in the uh, talking head world. And that is that you take somebody like Stalin, and they're on the far left. And what Stalin do? He was a dictator that killed a lot of his own people. And then you take Hitler, who was supposedly on the far right. And what was Hitler? Hitler was a dictator who killed a lot of his own people. Tell me, what's the difference? Folks, they are the same thing. There is no extreme, extreme right. There is no extreme, extreme left unless you go around the circle and they both meet at the bottom because the common they have a couple of things in common they're dictators they hate their own people they love being in control and there's not one of them who loves god there's not one of them that has jesus in his heart the common denominator is simply the hatred of a higher authority than they are that's it and god's a higher authority and no left or right. The fact of the matter is, the left has always, always comprised the Jew haters. Has always comprised been comprised of those that hate God. And the Jews in America need to absolutely wake up. So there's my shout out to the uh, to uh, the Muslims and an encouragement to the Jews to wake up. And don't send your kids to Putzer College in Claremont, California. Uh, this is uh, Nancy Pelosi at one of her most stupid moments. Surrounded, interesting. She's surrounded in this picture I'm looking at by a bunch of kids, the oldest of which has to be about 13, going down to, I don't know, four or five years old. But she's come out backing, lowering the national voting age to 16. Now, just take a quick perusal of the 16-year-olds that you know. Maybe they're your children, maybe they're grandchildren, maybe neighbors, nieces, nephews, what have you. At 16 years old, how much time do they spend on world affairs? No, they're on the stupid smartphone. Seems like an oxymoron, right? Stupid smartphone. The reason I say it's a stupid smartphone is because the smartphone will end up telling 16-year-olds in about five words or less how and who for whom they should vote. And because they got it off the smartphone, they'll assume that it, they'll assume it's true. Now, are they really, really interested in foreign affairs? They don't pay any taxes. They don't do anything. They have no obligations other than to not shoot their little brother or sister. You're going to give them the right to vote, 16-year-olds. But listen, 
this is what Pelosi, who is a mind, just mindless drivel that sort of oozes out of every orifice of her body, she said we have to, quote, capture kids when they're in high school, end quote. Capture kids when they're in high school. And you know why she can say that? Is because the whole process of turning college kids into Democrats in their freshman year has gone down one whole stage of education. The whole virtual public school system is increasingly left-wing. They are capturing the high school. They're moving to junior high. My goodness, in California, they're going to preschool. And as a first grader, you learn queer crap in California. That's why you should not have your child in a California government school. It's child neglect, child endangerment. Well, I don't, you know, I guess what we need to change this is a whole bunch of Muslims in California to rise up before some loser left-wing school board and demand that they stop that garbage. Go do it, you guys. I'll join you. That's Nancy Pelosi. And then with the, with the, the whack jobs like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and you got Ilhan Omar Shmomar and Talayab and so forth who all vote in f- favor of allowing illegal immigrants to vote. That's right. Allowing illegal immigrants to vote. They support that. Why? Because it'll support their sorry butts. Folks, I will tell you, I've said this many, many times, I was never concerned about California leaving the nation because if it did, it would be an improvement for the United States. But that's not the secession that I have seen and foretold for 12 to 14 years, but vocally on this program for about the last seven or eight. The United States is heading for a split up. And it's going to split over these issues and let the Democrats coalesce and, sh- and, and abort each other and sodomize each other all they want in their particular areas. And you can go to California where you can, you got 150 abortion clinics to go to. You can go to California where you can join a school that now hates Israel officially and go suffer the judgment by being among them. Now, if you're a missionary, great. Go there. Or stay there. But there's going to be a time for you to flee. As I've encouraged people to purchase land in the heartland of this country, somewhere in the center, because that's going to be the area that will secede. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Tennessee is a good state. South Dakota, kind of going from there. I don't know about Arizona. It depends on a whole bunch of things which haven't happened yet. But you see, the problem here has been exacerbated by the fact that we have so-called evangelical groups that no longer have the guts. they got no gonads to speak to any of the socially relevant issues. you got the National Association of Evangelicals, okay? National Association of Evangelicals and the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities are supporting supporting the inclusion of sexual orientation, gender identity, so we got your tranny fanny area going there, and gender expression for all federal civil rights protections. That's a fact. This is in absolute manifest patent rejection of biblical truths, and as David Welch writes, moral law and sound constitutional principles. So you got to be careful. You're sending your child to a Christian school. Make sure it's really Christian, and it doesn't have that up there just to be a sort of Democrat light, if you will, because they're capitulating. This is why I am so struck about the the, the Muslims in, in Britain standing up for n- not queerifying their children in the government schools. While we've got the National Association of Evangelicals and the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities just being a collective pack of weenies, gutless people who won't stand up for biblical truth. They'll capitulate on anything and everything, apparently, just to have the thrill of being included. Yeah, well, that's like the thrill of being included in the train headed Auschwitz. <clears throat> and it just gets increasingly more stupid, as this story reveals. This is a left-wing article here. 
There's a new kit, medical kit, that is being tested for eventual distribution. Guess what? It's out of England. Gee, what a surprise. To help men chest feed babies. You actually heard me right. Chest feed, not breastfeed. Chest feed babies. They're saying that as soon as five years, they believe that they'll be able to enable men to breastfeed with the help of a certain drug. Well, wait a second. If we got to use drugs, aren't we already going down the wrong path here? I mean, that's how you change. You, Oh, my gosh. It's so sick. Goodness sakes. Talk about the pit of hell getting P, uh, represented by PhDs and other people as talking heads on these programs. Maybe that is going maybe that is part of the growing appeal of Islam. Look, folks, I'm not an Islamic supporter. I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ is the only way by which you go to heaven. That's what the Bible says, that's what I believe. But I'm finding it interesting that they're becoming the go to crowd to have to stand up to some of this unbelievably satanic garbage that's coming out of all areas of the left. So this Marie Claire Springham, the inventor of the chest feeding kit, said um, on the uh, uh, TV that uh, she believes this would be ready in five years. And, and for having done so, she won an award last October, despite the fact that this hasn't been tested. But it says the kit includes supplies of drugs that men will take in order to help them build breast tissue and lactate, which I guess is milk, right? Milk. The kit also includes a pump and a compression vest. This is sick. This is so sick. I mean, jeez. And it's become official in this country to bash the official position, to bash manhood and to bash heterosexuality, to bash Christianity. Listen to this. this is what, now, this is coming from one of the guys running for president of the United States, Cory Booker, who just has been, who's been pimping for the presidency now for about a year. Listen to what he did to a judicial nominee for a court, I mean, nominated by Trump, Booker, the 49-year-old, uh, he didn't mince any words uh, on a confirmation hearing for judicial nominee Naomi Rao. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Now, this goes back a few weeks. But you see, the Obama, Obama had a policy that banned contracts from being awarded to companies that didn't have LGBT policies. Well, the Trump has switched that around. It has hacked off Booker. So Booker asked Rao before in the hearing, who was being nominated to fill a D.C. appellate court judgeship uh, left vacant by the by uh, Brett Kavanaugh. He said, asked whether she personally thinks gay relationships are immoral. Do you, Ms. Rao, believe gay relationships are immoral? She said she didn't think that line of questioning was relevant. But that didn't stop Booker. He kept going. He said, do you personally believe that gay relationships are immoral? I guess you're going to have to wait for the answer. Rob Walter, Red Sky Radio. Don't go away. We will be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, 
Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. We are back, Rob Holder, Red Sky Radio. Before we get on to the topic for the second half of this program, dealing with building the wall, I told you to get your Bible out to turn to the book of Nehemiah. I, I got to finish the story with Cook, Corey Booker just just going for the jugular with Naomi Rao, who was, I understood to be a Christian, but being grilled about the Trump uh, policy of... of um, not requiring that organizations have a sexual orientation non-discrimination policy in place and blah, 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 Then he, that he then grilled her about whether she thinks gay relationships are immoral. She backed off saying, look, I don't think that, that line of questioning was relevant. He persisted. He said, I think that it is relevant. Your opinion, if you think that African-American relationships are immoral, do you think that the gay relationships are immoral? Look, see, now look at the strategy, the setup. Take something that everybody understands is not immoral and then draw a corollary, corollary. Frankly, if I were black, I would be outrageously offended, unbelievably offended to the point of anger and protest. If somebody concluded that a black relationship, whether it's black with black, black with white, I don't really care, is immoral on the basis, immoral at all, let alone on the basis of being like with two queer guys doing that which God calls an abomination. So he put, he pushed on using that. So do you think that, see, he sets up the straw man. So if you think that uh, if it's relevant in your opinion, if you think that African-American relationships are moral, which he, she never said, but if you thought that, well, do you think that this is, see, it's, it's a non sequitur. But it's a setup, and she falls for it. She weenies out. She compromises. She says, after reluctantly responding, the writer of the article, she said she did not think gay relationships were immoral. Okay? She's already capitulated. She's already toast. She's already done. She's already blown her testimony. Because what happens after that? What happens after that? So goes on to say, well, if you don't think it's immoral, let me ask you, do you think gay relationships are sin? Just look at what he's doing. She's already, she's already capitulated. She already gave it up. She said, Senator, my personal views on these subjects are things that I would put to one side and I would faithfully follow the precedence of the Supreme Court. Oh, that's great, Rao. Just compromise your Christianity and hide behind judicial precedents. Well, I want to tell you, if you want to hide behind judicial precedents, you only have to go back to 1976, which isn't that far back, when the Supreme Court said that you could criminalize and you could put people in prison for committing sodomy. The Supreme Court held that up in the state of Georgia. So what precedent you, she's, she's trying to cover. So Booker says, so you are not willing to say here whether you believe it is sinful for two men to be married. You're not willing to comment on that. She said, no, my response is that these are personal views that I would put to one side. Whatever my personal views are on this subject, I would faithfully follow the precedence of the Supreme Court. What a disappointment. What an unbelievably disappointing response. She needed to simply say this. At the first question, yes, they are immoral, Senator, and I need to tell you why. Because the Bible says it's immoral. And, and with all due respect, Senator, I, compared to God, you are an absolute, complete, idiot, idiotic moron. Now, Senator, with all due respect, I used to be an idiotic moron, too, before I decided to be wise and, and agree with God. Let just, just let Booker go into... Have spasms there at the table. 
Let them start foaming at the mouth. But don't compromise. Gosh, I hate it when Christians compromise. Do you have to have a Muslim up there? Is that what we got to have you guys to, to, to faithfully carry out some of these things and actually say to Booker? No. This is, the, 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 it, I'm not going to buy that line of reasoning. It absolutely is moral to have only heterosexual relationships recognized. Homosexual relationships are from the pit of hell. Hey, who knows? Maybe Satan is gay. I have no idea. He seems to be pushing this agenda enough that he seems to want to feel good about maybe what he is. Obviously, I'm going further than I anticipated here. But this this relentless Gestapo attitude of the queer world as as reflected by Booker here. And then this woman capitulates. All you got to do, just keep giving it up. Rao, you don't deserve to be on the Supreme Court because you also just got done saying that you would put precedence of the Supreme Court above the word of God. I understand that if you're not a Christian. But if you contend you're a Christian and you contend that the Supreme Court's precedent is above the word of God, hey, the Supreme Court said slavery was okay in 1857. Gosh, it just, it it sickens me. I've said this so many times. Give me a hardened, true-believing, sinning left-winger who I know is going to speak their heart and mind as wrong as they can be 100% of the time to some gutless, cojoneless Christian who does not have the guts to stand up because they're afraid of their little job, they're afraid of their, their reputation, they're afraid of their popularity, they're afraid of losing their pension, You are not fit for the kingdom of God. All right, next topic. Last topic. I mentioned last week that there's been this record surge of illegal immigrants at the border. And the people at the border have said they're at the breaking point. 76,000 illegals attempted crossing in just February, just February. Play that out. That's basically a million a year. February is a short month. A million were the number of of immigrants that Germany welcomed in from the Middle East that now has the death knell marked out for Germany. It'll be an also-ran country. It's still not outlived its judgment for killing Jews. It's still happening and it's more is going to happen. So the border people say they're at the breaking point. They can't do it anymore. And I've shared with you why a governor has the right to send troops down to the border and be able to enforce it at the point of bloodshed, if necessary, to protect the borders. I gave that to you out of Article 1, I think, Section 10 of the Constitution. Paragraph C, I think it was. When there's an invasion... The governor of a state does not have to wait for the president to de- to declare a right to bear arms for the purposes of protecting what is an imminent invasion that will not admit of delay, as it says. 76,000 a month is an invasion. Hence, the wall. The wall needing to be built. Why would you build a wall? I told you earlier to turn to the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is an instruction manual for why there needs to be a wall and when there needs to be a wall. There, If you are in a position where your God-given religion, your faith, your culture is at risk by an invasion of foreigners who do not share that, then not only do you have a, a right to do it, you probably have an obligation to do it to protect protect succeeding generations of your country. And Nehemiah is exactly that example. I've got to go through this. I've got a lot to cover, even though we got almost 20 minutes. I've got a lot to cover, so get your Bible out and book Nehemiah, and you're going to want to write down these passages as we go through it. But we see in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, just verses 3 through 5, 
where he says, the, the king said unto me, meaning Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is in Persia at this time, part of the exile, what is, what is thy countenance sad, seeing that, that, are you, that you're not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very afraid of the king, and I said unto the king, Let the king live forever, but why should not my countenance be sad when the city and the place of my fathers, the sepulchres and everything lies in waste, and the gates are consumed with fire? You see, Nehemiah had a burden on his heart, and I'm going to compare every one of these to Donald Trump to show you why God has raised this man up just like God raised up Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a burden. And you know what his burden was? In just a few short words, it was to make Jerusalem great again. That's what he wanted. He was lamenting the destruction of his homeland. The very thing that Donald Trump observed and has commented on. Number point number two, Nehemiah went to Jerusalem and under and under cover of night he rode around and checked out the walls to see what the level of security was in Jerusalem, which was virtually none because it had been ruined by the Babylonians. Same thing Donald Trump did. Without any press knowledge to speak of, any advance notice, when Trump went down there, he went down to check out what was the state of the border of the United States that was so porous that it was letting in foreign cultures, foreign religions, bad guys, mobsters, MS-13 gang members, Islamic, uh, ISIS, whack jobs, you name it. So in in verse 17 of chapter 2, he says, Yes, I said unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste. And the gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we would no more be a reproach. That was the result of Nehemiah's inspection. It was the result of Donald Trump's inspection. Let us build up the wall. After he saw what what the, the state of disrepair and disregard our southern border is in, he said it's time to build. He's echoing the words of Nehemiah. So far, three for three, Trump has been a Nehemiah here. Point number four. Only two verses later, there are two guys by the name of Sanballat and Tobiah. They are not Jewish. So they started to laugh Nehemiah to scorn. Said it was crazy. This is a ridiculous idea. That's exactly what they did with Donald Trump. Oh, it's going to cost $5 billion. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, ignoring the fact that we were going to waste at least as much on the bullet train running from Central Valley of California to Southern California and all the other things that we've blown money on and all the things that Obama kissed away and finally admitted, well, it turns out that, you know, our program wasn't as shovel ready as we thought it was. And he laughs at all the billions he spent of other people's money. Tobiah and Sanballat, just write in Pelosi and Schumer, said, this is nuts, this is crazy, this is a waste of money. We want that money to waste on some things that we want, and you're holding back the illegal immigration of people who, when we pass illegal voting, will all vote for us. Point number four, four for four. Number five, deep down in, though, it wasn't about the money it was a fact that Tobias and Sanballat despise the idea because of a potential loss of control over Jerusalem to devout Jews. Isn't that the problem with, with Pelosi and Trump and Omar Shmomar and, and Ocasio-Cortezo? Isn't that the problem? They're they're not about the what they really despise is the fact that if this country could protect its values, they will remain in the minority. That's what it's about entirely. They will remain in the minority. And they're all about control. 
gun gun control isn't about safety and gun violence. It's about control. Obamacare wasn't about health care. It was about control. That's all Democrats want. It's all Satan has ever wanted. It's why he wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him. And so he was. he's a, he's a big kahuna. He gets to be in control. It's what pride does. Number six, point number six, you will read, and I can't. I don't have time to go through all the passages. You just read from chapter two where I started on. Trump said that we're going to have to build this in sections. We're going to have to start here, and we'll do some stuff over there, and then like building the, you know, the the, the railroad. We're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle, in Utah. Not, I mean, that's where the railroad, I think, met from the east and from the west. I think it met somewhere in Utah. Where they, it's just what Nehemiah said. We're going to spread out. We're going to start building. You work over here in the south wall, over here in the north wall, and blah, blah, blah. we got to work it out in sections. Now you go to chapter 4. Go to chapter 4, point number 7, verses 2 and 3. You'll see when it came to... Um, Passed that when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was mad, took great indignation, and he mocked the Jews. He spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah, said, who was by him, said, Even that which they build if a fox goes up, he shall break down their stone wall. Hear our God, for we are despised. That's what Nehemiah said. But listen to what uh, Tobiah was saying. He's saying, look, even if you build it, a fox could break down this wall. This is exactly what Pelosi and Schumer and all their Democrats have said, is that, look, it's not going to do any good. You can spend this $5 billion and they're still going to find a way in and mock the president for now something that they said was vain, useless. That's a different approach. Now we start to move on to the unfulfilled future as it relates to this matter. Because you see, Well, you know what? I got to read. I, I got to read. I got to read one more passage here. Chapter four, verse fourteen. Nehemiah says, "I looked and I rose up and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, meaning Tobias and Sanballat. Don't be afraid of them, which they are great and terrible. Our Lord, however, who is great and terrible, will fight, and you, you fight for your brethren. You fight for your sons." and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. This is a similarity to Trump. Nehemiah took it to the people and said, look, they're trying to scare you out of this thing, but you rise up. You fight. You build. You do it, and do it because you love your husbands and your wives, your sons, your daughters, your land, and your houses. In other words, your culture and your religion and all of those other things. And Trump had to take it to whom? The people. Just like Nehemiah did. He had to speak to the nobles and then to the people. Look, you do it, you fight. You got the, the, it couldn't be a Nehemiah-only project any more than it can be a Trump-only project. He's had to appeal to the people and their common sense, which is not common in Washington, because they don't share, Washington doesn't share the values of the common people. Point number nine. It's going to take a great amount of dedication and determination to get this done. Um, and it goes on to to state what in Nehemiah they had to do to get the job done. And it was going to take a lot of dedication. They were concerned also for their safety. They took measures, practical matters, because they were too far apart on the wall, so they had to protect themselves. I will trust, trust me, if you have multiple building projects down there in the wall, the left is going to put caravans going down there to distract and divide, maybe harm. Who knows what they're going to do? Because nothing is beyond the left. They come from the pit of hell, and that's their next job. Now, point number 10. This is amazing. Just blows me away. Chapter 5, verse 14. 
Nehemiah says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year, even unto the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, that is 12 years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. And he goes on to repeat that in verse 15, more or less. What is he saying? He's saying that uh, this is private labor that's doing this. It's a labor of love. We're going we're gonna to have to do this ourselves. Well, I, you know what? I guess I do need to read this next one because it said, uh, next verse, he says, But the former governors that had been here before me were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them bread and wine and 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants ruled over the people. But so did not I because of the fear of God. Yea, I also continued in the work of this wall. I neither bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither under this work. We're dedicated. We're focused. Guess what? We're going to have to do it by private labor. We are not going to rely on the government. And unlike the people in the government before us, this is what Nehemiah is saying, we're not going to take from the people to provide for us. We are not going to be a burden on the people. This is why Donald Trump has said he would find ways to make Mexico pay for the wall. Oh, my gosh, this just blows me away. It's the same thing. I said, I don't want to be a burden. We've got private contractors. We've got people who are doing GoFundMe pages to try to raise money for the wall because Congress, a bunch of wacky lackeys, won't do it. They don't have the guts. They only care about their next reelection. So chapter 6, verse 2, Tobias and Sanballat, they can't beat Nehemiah. So they said, well, you know what? Let's just sit down and talk about it a while. Let's bargain with you. Let's do this. And you know what? When the, you can't, when the Democrats can't stop the building of the wall, that's when they start talking to Trump. Same thing. Least we can do, maybe we can compromise something. Maybe we can delay him. Maybe we can entice him. Maybe we can get him to like us and we can lie to him, but he won't know we're lying and we'll slow down this project and maybe we can bring him to a point of compromise. The very same thing Tobias and Sam Ballot were attempting to do in chapter two. I'm sorry, chapter six, verse two. Of course, the real ultimate concern is revealed in Nehemiah chapter six. And that is that the loss of control, loss of control of the Christians, loss of the control of uh, uh, by the Christian church in America. We don't want Trump. And the way we can get rid of Trump is by bringing in a bunch of people who don't share the Christian values that Trump shares. Whether he's a Christian or not, I don't know. But he, he cites and shares, advocates and supports Christian values. Verse 17 of chapter 6. It says, Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. Oh my gosh! The establishment was on the side of not building the wall. The establishment, the nobles, the ones that were in charge of Jerusalem before Nehemiah got there, were in charge of not building the wall. Why? Because the nobles were in charge. They might lose some measure of control. The establishment was... KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. Power from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump is in Canton, Ohio tonight to participate in a pair of political fundraisers. Among those greeting him are Governor and Mrs. Mike DeWine and other Ohio State GOP officeholders and supporters. Earlier, President Trump criticized the late GOP Senator John McCain. 
Salem Radio News White House correspondent Greg Clugston is traveling with the president. In a fresh attack, the president told an Ohio audience that McCain was not my kind of guy. He said the late senator received a fake and phony dossier and turned it over to the FBI, hoping to put me in jeopardy. And the president said he gave McCain the kind of funeral he wanted. I didn't get a thank you. On Tuesday, Mr. Trump said I was never a fan of John McCain and I never will be. Greg Clugston with the president in Canton, Ohio. Severe flooding in several Midwestern states is showing no signs of easing this week. In Nebraska, where the governor says it's the most widespread disaster in state history, Vice President Pence got a look yesterday, visiting a town west of Omaha virtually cut off by flooding. We're going to stand with you. We're going to make sure that the federal resources are available for these uh, families, these communities. The flooding in Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and elsewhere began after a massive late winter storm. The Army Corps of Engineers says swollen rivers have breached more than a dozen levees, killing livestock and crops. People in one northern Illinois village along the Rock River say kids have walked or kayaked through floodwaters to get the school bus. Sagar Magani, Washington. The Federal Reserve left its key interest rate unchanged on Wednesday. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. Patient means that we see no need to rush to judgment. It may be some time before the outlook for jobs and inflation calls clearly for a change in policy. Mixed day on Wall Street.